This is us pixelated, Pastor Becky, Pastor Mark, and myself. Uh, Dana on our staff created this and wanted to share it with you because we are in our sermon series, Level Up. Now, uh, not to let anyone get confused as to what we're talking about here. We are very, very Lutheran. This is not about good works for righteousness. Uh, We are saved by grace through faith. What we're talking about is growing deeper in your faith in everyday life. Um, You know, salvation comes through faith in Jesus Christ alone. What we're talking about with Level Up is those actions that we're using the acronym Power Up for right there that fuel your faith, that make a difference in your day-to-day life. And not only that, they actually have physical, mental, um, emotional, and social, as well as spiritual benefits to your day-to-day life. There has been research shown over and over again that engaging in these seven faith practices to level up your faith is good for you. It makes you feel better. It makes you healthier. It gives you um, more endurance and strength to to work through tough times. Uh, And even um, gives you a better outlook on life itself. So, what are these seven Uh, faith practices. Traditionally, they're known as the marks of discipleship, because that's what we're talking about. We're talking about following Jesus in our day-to-day life. And I guarantee that if you look at someone and say, you know what, I wish I was a Christian like that person. Maybe it was your, your grandma or your grandpa or mom or dad or someone in your life, some mentor that you've had in your Christian walk. You look at them and say, I wish I was like them. I wish my faith was on fire like theirs. I guarantee you they are practicing these seven power-ups, as we're putting it. So the first power-up is the P. We talked about this last week. All of the letters, the seven letters, are all verbs. So they're action words that are tied to something that we talk about. The first, the P stands for pray. And last week we learned about prayer and the importance of praying uh, in order to, to fuel our faith and to serve our neighbor, to live a life of value. And now we come to the second one. The O is the word offer. Now maybe you've heard this word and it has kind of a weird sounding use in church, but it's, it, it actually is a word that's tied to church. Um, Maybe you're thinking of, uh, I don't know if they have them anymore because kids don't watch TV, but when I was young, they had these these infomercials and they'd say, wait, special offer right now, slash, slash, for $29.95, you get an extra squeegee or something like that. Remember those commercials? Well, that's not really how offer works. Uh, It kind of does. The word offer literally means to give something of value. Now, in church, we speak of another word that is tied to offer. It's the word offering. And offering literally means the something of value that you give or sacrifice, giving something up. The thing about a sacrifice and the way uh, people have always understood sacrifice going back to the, to the ancient days of, of old religions was a way of, of giving of yourself to the point that it hurt in order to have an influence on someone more powerful than you. And 
As strange as that sounds, uh, because we know that there are no other gods that will accept a sacrifice, it's the reason why you would have things like, like people um, um, uh, cutting themselves. Like we read about that in the Bible, about the prophet Elijah and the prophets of Baal having a contest, and the prophets of Baal begin cutting themselves. Well, they're trying to sacrifice. They're trying to give an offering great enough to make uh, Baal answer their cries. And we found Elijah laughing at them and mocking them for such behavior, right? Um, so that's the extreme of what a sacrifice is. But I want you to think about a sacrifice psychologically. And this is why offering and giving an offering Uh, is so important because you are constantly giving offerings of yourself anyway to the things in your life. These are the things that you invest in, that you, you, you put some scratch in the game. Uh, you, you take your hard-earned money and you invest in it. Uh, and the more you invest, uh, the more you're, you're engaged and caught up in it. This is a way of discovering value in who we are by what we have to offer. So I want you to think for a minute, what are the things that you value about yourself? Because that value is what you are expressing and giving to the world around you, whatever it may be. That is what you are sacrificing. That is what you are giving. But the psychological benefit of offering, specifically in the church, psychologists have discovered, this is, this is not new news. This, is, this has been known for over 100 years. Now, the psychological benefit of investing, of giving an offering in church is that it blesses you mentally because it gives a meaning to your life. You are investing in something greater than yourself. And that desire of being part of something greater than yourself actually makes your life more enjoyable. Uh, it, it gives your life purpose. It gives your life value. And that's what an offering is. It's something of value. And the more you dig in, the more you, you invest, the more you are blessed by it. So that's, that's just the mental, the physical benefits of giving an offering in church. Uh, you become uh, more physically active. This is a weird kind of thing, but when you give to church, you find yourself becoming more physically active or having the energy to exercise. Uh, people are more able to withstand um, illness. Uh, people are, are more satisfied with their day-to-day -day life. They're more optimistic. All this comes by intentionally giving of yourself to your church, to the ministry, to the gospel, to, for the gospel of Jesus Christ. It looks a little bit like this. I don't know, has anyone ever seen the movie The War Room? Okay, oh, you're in for a treat. This is my favorite scene from that movie. Uh, I just think it's great. Mom, can we go get ice cream? They sell it right over there. Miss Clara, would you like some ice cream? I tell you what. If you go get the ice cream and let your mother walk me to the car, I'll pay for it. Oh, no, 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 I'm paying for it. And rob me of a blessing? I'm paying, we're all eating. And I'll take two scoops of butter pecan, please, in a cup. I love Miss Clara. She is the bomb.com. This is a woman who walks and follows Jesus. She is, is, is powered up without a doubt. Uh, and in this scene, what they're talking about is just getting ice cream. And she says, we'll all eat. 
I'll pay for it. And the mom says, oh, no, 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 you can't do that. And she says, you're not going to rob me of a blessing because I'm going to offer myself and I believe and trust that God will bless me through the offering that I give. This is a biblical faith statement. And it's what Pastor Becky already read for us. Now, it starts with this basic understanding. Would you agree that what you put into any activity, any event, any cause, the more you put in, the more you'll get out? Would you agree with that? I've had every sports uh, coach I've ever had tell me the same thing. Uh, uh, Talent only gets you so far. Putting your nose to the grindstone and really, really being all in and putting in that extra effort, that's what's going to make the difference. Well, that whole way of thinking that uh, what you put in is what, excuse me, is what you'll get out comes from the Bible. Uh, This is a proverb. Um, It's actually a folk saying. It's not not in the Proverbs. Paul's using a folk saying of his time, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. He's talking about farmers. If you just put a little bit of seed down, the best you're going to get is a little bit of crop. Whoever sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. Uh, Just very simple rule of cause and effect. If you put a little in, you'll get a little back. You put a lot in, you'll get a lot back. Uh, This is how Wall Street works, right? With investments and so on. But he goes on because he's talking about the generosity of the church in Corinth for the relief of the um, poor in Jerusalem. They'd made a promise of a gift, of uh, a monetary gift to support them. Each one must give as he has decided in his heart, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. Now, I have heard this argument, and it's valid. I I respect everyone's opinion, but there are some people who are turned off by church because they say every time uh, I go to church, all they do is talk about money. Um, For those of you wondering that, let me make this very clear to you. We very rarely talk about money. Jesus talked a lot about money, like way more than we do, than Pastor Becky or I do, or Pastor Mark does. And yet, it's a really important thing to talk about because in the United States especially, what is your greatest temptation? What is the greatest idol that would seek to take you away from worship, from following Jesus Christ? It's materialism. More so than anything in our society. There is... We have an epidemic in our society of of God-shaped holes that we are constantly trying to fill with stuff. Stuff to satisfy that longing for meaning, that longing for value, that longing for for, uh, uh, worth. And the only thing that really satisfies that God-shaped hole is God. And so if you are investing in all kinds of things and not in God, not in the word of God, not in the gospel, well, you're putting your money and you're investing in things that will not satisfy. And like I said, you don't need to ask me. You can look up any psychological journal that's studied this over the last 100 years and it all comes to the same result. If you want to be satisfied, invest in your faith, not in the things of this world. And so Paul is saying, 
don't give out a compulsion because that's not being a cheerful giver. That's not, that's not buying into what is being offered to you. If you're giving because it feels like an obligation, understand that's, that's the law. That's how that works. It's why in the Old Testament, they talk about a tithe. The temple demanded a tithe, 10%. Why? So that there would be lights on and, well, not lights, but that things would run in the temple. And there's a bit of that in church too. But if you're just going for the bare minimum of what needs to be given so that you don't feel guilty, well, you're living a life that is about scarcity. And you're living under fear, fear of not having enough. Rather than living freely and joyfully by investing, by, by going all in, um, by being a cheerful giver. The other thing to notice about this is that before you give anything to the church, what do you need to do? You need to do the P in power up. You need to pray to God. I hope all of you are budgeting. I hope you live by a budget rather than the usual American practice, which is to live off of debt. Um, whether it's credit cards, whether it's our national debt, we like to live on money that's not there. That's a way of living in slavery. Freedom is looking at what God has blessed you with, seeing it all as a blessing from God, and then praying to God to say, God, how can I invest in the gospel that, that changes me, that gives meaning to my life? How, how much should I give? And so it, we do that every year where we have a time of, of um, looking at our budgets as a church family and saying, this is how much we're going to give. And the budget of the church is based on what you feel God has put on your heart to give so that you would be a cheerful giver and not giving out of a sense of obligation, um, but that you would take joy in your giving rather than become uh, grumpy and sour because of, well, the church is always asking for money. Goes on, listen to the promise that Paul now makes. He's going to start speaking about blessing that comes to you when you engage in giving for your neighbor. It says, and God is able to make all grace abound to you. Is that some of the grace? Is that a little bit of grace? Is that most of the grace? It's all of the grace. So that having all sufficiency, not just all spiritual blessing, but a promise of your daily needs being taken care of. We found in psychology as well that um, everyone, uh, money does not make you happy um, up to a certain point. If you have enough to take care of your daily means, if you have all sufficiency, then your level of happiness in someone who's a billionaire is exactly the same, is measured exactly the same. More money does not make them happier. It's that starting point of having your basic needs. So that having all sufficiency in all things at all times, you may abound in every good work. In other words, everything that you have God is giving to you and will continue to give to you. And giving to your neighbor is really an action of faith rather than an obligation. It's a faith statement. It goes on and says, you will be enriched in every way to be generous in every way, which through us will produce thanksgiving to God. Generous is a great word and it may not mean what you think it means. The Greek word is aplates, generous. I don't know of you, when, when you turn on the TV and you hear about someone giving a bunch of their wealth 
away. Like um, Bill Gates, super rich guy, has pledged to give you know, all of his money away over time. And then we hear about him giving 100 million to this cause or 10 million to this cause. We think, wow, how generous. Actually, it's not. And the reason that it's not has to do with these other points. Generosity is not the amount that you give, it's the intention behind it. Is your intention sincere? You are giving generously to the gospel in order for others to come to know Jesus Christ and come to faith. That is generous giving. If you're giving to get your name on a wall, that is not generous giving. If you're giving that to you is just a pittance, that is not generous giving. Giving is, uh, a, a generous giver is a cheerful giver who's giving intentionally for the sake of the gospel. And if you think about what the gospel is, is there anything more relevant to our day-to-day life, to our entire life, than knowing Jesus Christ? If Jesus Christ is not the savior of the world, and we as Christians have been following uh, a pipe dream, well, we are the most to be pitied, but ultimately, it makes no difference. If Jesus is the savior of the world and death has been defeated by Jesus Christ because he is risen from the dead, it makes all of the difference in the world for everybody. Because without Jesus Christ, there is no resurrection. All there is, is death. That's the end. And so if you believe in the gospel of Jesus Christ, if Jesus Christ is your Lord and Savior, wonderful, uh, uh, merciful Savior, as the, as the choir beautifully sang today, and you believe that in your heart, well then, offer is about jumping in whole hog into that, believing it and living it. Now, he's going to go on, and there's this, I put this in parentheses because I want to explain this. This is a really confusing word that he says here, by their approval of this service, they will glorify God because of your submission flowing from your confession of the gospel of Christ. Now, I put that in parentheses because I'm going to let you in on something. Sometimes Bibles don't translate very well, uh, and they can be kind of confusing. The word here is dokemis. It means proof. It doesn't mean approval. It means proof. It means testing. It doesn't mean that someone is happy with you and approves of what you're doing. It means that you are being tested by what you are doing. And the proof is in the pudding. The proof is in what you've done. Read it this way. It says, by the proof or by the testing of this service, in other words, your offering, by the testing of the service, they will glorify God because of your submission. They, those who receive the benefit of your blessing, them, of your giving. In this case, it's the church in Jerusalem. Because of your submission. Why? I'm limiting my freedom of what I have in order to give to the gospel. Rather than having that that, uh, mochaccino from Starbucks, I'm going to take that $8 and I'm going to give it as my offering to the church every Sunday or whatever it may be. I'm sacrificing something that would be enjoyable for me in order to invest in something that is a blessing and benefit to the entire world, including me. That's what submission means, to submit myself to this. And this is flowing from your confession of the gospel of Christ. Why do I give an offering? 
because of my confession, because I believe it to be true, because of what it's done for me. And I trust that what I have to give didn't come from me. It comes from God. And so grace upon grace poured out upon you becomes reflected as giving to everyone around you. You become a generous giver. And the generosity of your contribution for them and for others. So this is a long way of saying, what is the offering? What is the faith statement in Power Up that the O stands for? This is what it does. The offer, when you practice giving to uh, uh, the gospel of Jesus Christ, giving to your, your church ministry, you become the cheerful giver who gives generously. And what a wonderful life that sounds like. That God would bless you to be generous that God would bless you to be cheerful in your giving. And there's something about giving that becomes contagious. We um, have uh, you know, all these small groups that we're, we're gathering together. In those small groups, we learn how to give to each other. We learn how to offer ourselves to one another as we build each other up. That's what, that's what this is all about. This is what the church is all about, that we would come together and be mutually and uh, beneficially blessed one to another by what God has given us and what we give to each other. The Apostle Paul gets so excited about what he's just confessed to the church in Corinth about what God is doing in the midst of their faith practice of their gift. He says, thanks be to God for his inexpressible gift. It's a faith action. It's putting your money where your faith is and watching God work and watching how God is going to bless you in return. This isn't about, all right, God, I'm going to give this much money and you're going to make me a millionaire. It doesn't work that way. It's about blessing that, as I mentioned, we can measure scientifically. You become mentally, emotionally, physically, spiritually, socially well. And in that also comes the sustainability of everything that you need day in and day out. Jesus Christ, Son of God, died for you. All of your sins are forgiven. And this gospel promise is the good news that transforms the world, and you are a big part of that. Amen.